Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us and we hope you'll feel free to pass these devotions along to your friends and family. Please join me in a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. And Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near, and when he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages wouldn't, be, wouldn't buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. And one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? And Jesus said, Well, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. And then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to them, to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. And when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, the New York Times and their Sunday magazine spent over 180 pages looking at the history of exploration over the last 1,000 years, and the status of exploration today as well. And certainly the last millennium has been filled with wonderful and enchanting adventures of the great explorers, Marco Polo to China, Columbus to the New World, Lewis and Clark to the Northwest, United States, David Livingston to Africa, Darwin to the Galapagos Islands, and Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin to the moon. Well, the frontiers have been many in the last 1,000 years, but now as we enter the third millennium after Christ, the reality is the world has virtually been discovered. Earth has been completely mapped. There are no more frontiers, no more unclined mountains, no more uncrossed oceans to sail, no more uncharted jungles. The human race collectively is now in a time when we can look at every physical point in the world and say, been there, done that. Someone comes down from Mount Everest, yeah, so what? Person flies across the Atlantic, what took you so long? Safari to Africa, the only shots you get are from your camera. So we've been here, and we've been there, and we've done this, and we've done that. We've gotten the t-shirt, and now all the adventures we take are the ones already taken. I wonder what Lewis and Clark would say if they found out that for our children, the words great adventure conjure up more the image of an amusement park. On the face of it, it appears we have nowhere else to go. We've been there, we've done that. 
may be one of the reasons why the two words people most frequently use to describe their day-to-day -day condition are the words busy and boring. Ask a person how they're doing and they will tell you that they're oh, so busy. Ask a person what they're doing and they'll tell you, oh, nothing. How you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. So what you been up to? Oh, nothing. We're busy doing nothing. And my guess is when Lewis and Clark or Armstrong and Aldrin or Christopher Columbus got stopped on their way and asked how they were doing, they would have come up with something different than just say busy. And they certainly would not have told you that they were busy doing nothing. Now, when you become a culture that is more and more busy doing nothing, and let's face it, that's kind of what we're becoming, then it certainly explains why the word adventure has been replaced by the word amusement. Our lives are no longer built around adventure. They are built around amusements. We live to be amused. When you're busy doing nothing, then the only thing that keeps you from going crazy or from falling into despair are the amusements. But is there not deep in the heart of the human soul and a hunger for adventure? British explorer Ernest Shackleton, in preparation for his expedition to the South Pole back in the year 1900, placed this advertisement in the London newspapers. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Shackleton said that the response to his ad was so overwhelming that it seemed all the men of Great Britain were determined to accompany me. Which takes me to the story of Jesus and his disciples and their 5,000 closest friends. This is an interesting story in so many ways. It begins with John telling us that Jesus and his disciples have been hard at work preaching and teaching and add on top of that that just beforehand Jesus has taken the risk of healing a man on the Sabbath. Well, that doesn't sound like much of a risk today. We do everything on the Sabbath. We go to the mall and shop on the Sabbath. We go to the movies on the Sabbath. We, we watch football on the Sabbath. We do just about anything on the Sabbath these days. But in first century Judaism, the Sabbath was held as a time of rest. We rested to honor the Sabbath and to receive it as a gift from God, a gift to rest. So there wasn't much that was allowed but Jesus takes the risk and puts forth the effort to heal a crippled man on the Sabbath. Well, good news, right? Not if, no, no, not if you're one of the referees of the Sabbath. You might have a big problem with the work Jesus put in to heal that man. But Jesus doesn't worry about breaking the law. He embarks on the adventure of doing the right thing. So the same kind of thing happens when Jesus and the disciples gained the following of 5,000 Jesus decides to put Philip to the test and ask him, what are we going to do with all these hungry people? And Philip pulls out his calculator or maybe his abacus and he does the calculation and determines that they might have to break into Fort Knox to get what they need to feed all these people. That's when Jesus says, how about we do something crazy? Let's try to feed them with what we have. And they look around and they got nothing. And just when they're ready to give up, Andrew finds a boy with his lunch, and it's not much of a lunch, five barley loaves, which amounts to about five dinner rolls, and two little fish, not much bigger than sardines. And Jesus says, Jesus lays his eyes on this little boy's fish and his willingness to depart with them, and he says, okay, let's give it a try. 
he might as well have said, let's climb Mount Everest or let's swim across the English Channel. Let's take an expedition to the South Pole. The task and the need were that big, but it doesn't stop Jesus. He takes the little boy's lunch, offers it to God, and God makes it enough. God makes it enough. Everybody gets a full belly and there are tons of Tupperware filled with leftovers. Now that is an adventure. It seems that when it comes to adventure, the gospel's always pointing us to the mountain of need. And there are mountains of need in the world, too much need, and not, or so it seems, not enough to do anything about it. Not so, says Jesus. It just takes some risk and takes some sacrifice. Did you know that we have enough food in the world to feed the world? Did you know that we have enough money in the world to end poverty? It just takes risk and sacrifice. Like the pastor that got up and said one day that to the congregation that he had good news and bad news. The good news, he said, is that we have enough money to meet the goal to start the new food pantry for the community. The bad news, he said, is that it's still in your pockets. Risk, sacrifice, a little boy's lunch, 5,000 full bellies. You do the math. Let us pray. We thank you, O oh God, that you gift us with so much, and we are grateful for the gifts that each of us has. And we are honest enough to say that we want to hold on to the little that we have because we are afraid that it might not be enough. But Lord, we pray that given the inspiration of this little boy who hands over his lunch, that we too might wonder about what we can hand over to you and that through you we can find out how you are able to feed a world that is in such need. We thank you, O oh God, that you are the one who has a great heart for those that are in need, and we are grateful that you have a heart for us to include us in feeding them. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.